There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. You're listening to the QuickBook Reviews podcast. Brighten your day with a book. Hello, my fellow bookworms. This is Philippa from QuickBook Reviews. How are you all? Are you okay? Well, I I hope you are because I don't think I am. I'm reaching that point in the school summer holidays where I think I am actually losing my mind. So I have... One child who will only eat carrots raw. The other will only eat them when they're cooked, well cooked. I have one of the children will only eat broccoli when it's just cooked. The other one has to eat it when it's well cooked. What have I done? I have created this nightmare. Why am I stood there standing with the saucepan and broccoli, putting a knife in it the whole time, worrying that it's the right consistency? I do what? Why have I done this? Uh, we need the school, some holidays to be over. I need to regain some control and everything needs to be OK. So that, that's where we are at the moment. Uh, but I, I do just hope you're OK. Oh, now, thank you so much to Emily for the lovely review on Apple iTunes. Thank you. It was wonderful. It, it means a lot and it does. It really helps build up the profile of the podcast. So thank you, Emily. Now we've got quite a few books uh, today. We've got um, a thriller about house viewing's gone wrong. We've got a translated hospital thriller. We've got a gripping honour story based in Pakistan. We've got an edge of your seat thriller in Antarctica. Um, An honest, humorous look at life and dating. And a historical story based in the 1920s of a count in Russia. Oh, and we've got a giveaway as well, which is which is very exciting. In fact, shall I give you the book names now? All right, let's do the book names now. Let me turn them so I can see them. So we've got The Perfect Life by Nula Elwood, No Honour by Awei Khan, Hell and High Water by Christian Ung, The Dark by Emma Horton, The Mix-Up by Holly McCulloch, and A Gentleman in Moscow, by Amor Towles. So quite a few books to to go through. And my goodness, you lot have been reading. So on the lovely Facebook group, you'd be very welcome to join us and uh, come and tell us what books you're reading. Um, Lauren is reading The Nightingale by Kristen Hanna. Victoria's reading Persuader by Lee Child. Gemma's reading True Crime Story by Joseph Knox. Uh, Caroline's reading Cecily by Annie Garthwaite. Laura's reading The Therapist by B.A. Paris. Emily's reading Becoming Mrs. Lewis by Patty Callahan. Sue is reading The Ghost in the Garden by Drew P.S. Uh, Zoe's reading Hydra by Matt Wolowski. Idana's reading Hidden Treasures by Fern Britton. Leslie's reading In the Dark by Cara Hunter. Uh, Ace is reading Little Women by Louisa May Alcott. Amanda's reading Hunted on the Fens by Joy 
Ellis. Anne is reading Ceremony of Innocence by Madeline Bunting. Carol's reading Bad Seed by Jessica Eames. Johan's reading A Dark Matter by Doug Johnston. Uh, Julie's reading Space Hopper by Helen Fisher. Steph's reading The Body in the Transept by Jay Dams. Kate is reading The Two Lives of Lydia Bird by Josie Silver. Beth is reading Contacts by Mark Watson and Deb is reading The House at Sea's End by Ellie Griffiths. Wow, aren't you all fabulous reading all those books? A lot of them we've covered in the podcast. Uh, a few, quite a few more for us to learn about and, and to read. So that that's just wonderful. So I've told you about the books. Um, I better tell you who, who we're interviewing today. We are interviewing, very fortunate, very fortunate to have Oh, can I speak now? You see, I can't even I can't even do that. Mind you, normally I can't speak uh, very well. So who, it's nothing new, really, is it? But uh, yes, we've got Nula Elwood is coming on this podcast. So very pleased to talk to her. And drum roll, we've got a giveaway uh, coming coming up for her book, The Perfect Life. One copy of that. But you will need to be on the Facebook group the Quick Book Reviews podcast Facebook group to have any details on that giveaway. As I say, you'd be more than welcome. So I think I think I've done enough of the preamble amble ambles. Let's get on to these books. Right. So The Perfect Life is written by Nula Elwood. Quite, quite a story. Let me read you the blurb. Uh, have you ever wanted to be someone else? Vanessa has always found it easy to pretend to be somebody different, somebody better. When things get tough in her real life, all she has to do is throw on some nicer clothes, adopt a new accent and she can escape. That's how it started, looking around houses she couldn't possibly afford, harmless fun really, until it wasn't. Because a man who lived in one of those houses is dead and everyone thinks Vanessa killed him. <gasps> That's very, very, very good. And uh, uh, Nula's written other books that you will know of and heard of lots. My Sister's Bones, Day of the Accident, um, The House on the Lake. Uh, some, some wonderful books there. Now, let's do the first sentence. And um, I'm actually taking this instead of from the prologue. I've taken this from the sort of the first main chapter. I sit in my sister's living room. Sipping coffee from a cup that says mum, though I have no children to call my own, my eyes transfixed by the laptop screen in front of me. <gasps> so that was very good. Now, I think we should just talk to Nula now. So Nula Elwood, author of The Perfect Life, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Philippa. It's lovely to be here. Well, it's great. Well, the first question, uh, I always ask it, and it's an obvious one, but it, we have to start here. What gave you the idea for this book? Well, it was two things, really. First of all, um, I read a biography of um, the son of A.A. A. Milne, Christopher Robin, who uh, famously oh. uh, was the, the child who was immortalised in the Winnie the mm. Pooh books. And um, I also, from that, I was just fascinated by how authors such as A.A. A. Milne and also Kenneth Graham, who wrote The Wind in the Willows, mm. Enid Blyton, there's famously a recent film about Enid Blyton's idyllic world that, that, that these authors create mm. and the real life childhoods of, of their own children, which usually fall very short. We yeah. find that, you know, you've got this amazing idyllic world and then their children 
are often quite troubled. Um, and I wanted to create something of that with the, well, the character of Jeffrey Rivers in, in The Perfect Life. And running alongside that is this idea that we, a lot of us are trying to strive for this perfect life. Um, and we, we can now curate that to a certain extent through, through Instagram and social media pages. We can present the best versions of ourselves, of our homes, of our lives, of our meals, everything. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and for people looking in, they imagine that we have these, you know, wonderful existences and really that the truth is, is far from that. And I thought that actually has a lot of parallels with, you know, those children's authors who created these magical worlds, you know, the faraway tree when in, in real life that their, their children were, were either unhappy or struggling. Mm. Um, so I wanted to, to combine the two. So you had this character of Vanessa who finds herself falling down a rabbit hole of um, looking at perfect lives through the portal of property websites, which I'm sure yeah. a lot of us have had, yeah. are familiar with, you know, idle <laughs> moments where what if, you know, we just have a little Absolutely. look at this. Yeah. yeah. And for Vanessa, something that's quite harmless becomes an addiction. And it, it's her way of blocking out um, the the realities and, and the trauma of her of her real life. She's had a lot of bad experiences. Um, she can forget herself by falling into you know, other people's idyllic lives. And she did that as a child too, through through the character of Jeffrey Rivers, who is the author of one of her favourite children's books. So it's bringing those two, they were the two ideas really and, 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 and what really inspired this uh, this story. So Wow. So when you sat down to, to write that, did you see the, the whole story at, at the outset or did it take some... Did it emerge as, as you were working your way through it? Yeah, it emerged. I knew that the very first scene I had in mind was uh, this woman going to view a house and the, the vendor lets her in and she looks around and then she leaves. And then that person who the, the, the house owner is found dead. I thought, what would happen? It's just these two mm. people. And then the story started to build around that. And they also had a very vivid idea of of this children's story which is the the story within the story uh mm. the children's story that the, the spirits of holly may's house which is the the book series written by jeffrey rivers that the, the character in there so that the, this was kind of running alongside each other and then they, they came together but you know in the very in the early days of those first drafts it's very much a case <laughs> of I always compare it to sculpting really chipping away and chipping away and all of a sudden the story and the characters start to to emerge and that's the exciting bit that's when it all starts to come to life and it, it seemed to me that yes the people were very important in the story but also the buildings had their role to, to play the the different ones yeah. um were they both very visible to you very vivid as you were writing yes I mean a lot of it were a lot of those houses were based upon uh houses I've encountered um and I the house I live in is actually a Georgian house it's a real kind of rickety old uh <laughs> built in the 1820s complete with friendly ghosts and you know, so that kind of inspired oh, wow. a lot of it yeah and where I live there's quite a lot of older period houses and and I walk past them like, oh I wonder what what that would be like inside um Property websites also helped a lot in the research because uh, I, I wanted to give a bit of diversity. So I thought, right, let's let's uh, we, we, there's the very period characterful houses, 
And then you have the kind of very sleek modern mm. house. So I, I did a lot of kind of online searching of that too. But that, that was the fun bit, trying to, to come up with um, more and more elaborate houses as well, because she starts off quite uh, modestly, really. You know, she's just, she, it, it kicks off with her just looking for a flat within her yeah. price range. And all of a sudden she's, she's, she's offering multi-million pound, uh, you know, mansions. So it was kind yeah. of that, that development from, from reality to completely, you know, off in, in a dream world. I, w- I was wondering as I was reading if there was something you wanted to teach us as readers, apart from stay away from websites like right move um but it was there something you were really wanting us to take away from the book without giving anything away about how the book develops I think it's this sense of of being happy in your own skin and I think a lot of us particularly when we've been through troubled times we can find solace in in um other either other people's lives or or, or what we imagine is the perfect life which you know that the title comes from mm-hmm. and I think sometimes we feel it's this sense of of other people have it better than we do and we don't know I, I always say to my son you know as, as we're going about our day you don't know what people are going through and I always smile and say hi to people as much as I can because I think there have been so many times in my life where I've been through bad times I mean actually I wrote this just after I'd come through a divorce and moved into a new place oh, and gosh. complete life-changing situation. And there were times then when I felt you know, really at your lowest ebb and, and someone on the street would just say hello or someone would chat to you in the shop and you mm. think, that's just lifted me. And if I can do that for somebody else, you know, um, in the course of the day, then that makes me feel happy. But um, yeah, it's this idea that we, we, we don't, we, even if somebody has from the outside what seems like an amazing life which again it goes back to this curating of it on on social media that we all look at things you know when we're feeling a bit low and so and so is having this amazing time and really absolutely yeah we feel oh and they could be having the worst day ever you don't know you don't know what's going on so that's what I'd like people to take from it there's just the sense of first of all being happy in your own skin because we won't give too much away but I think that there's a, 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 a a journey towards that for Vanessa you know mm. she's she's learning that she can be herself and and just being able to um to realize the difference between uh reality and and the gloss <laughs> mm. yes quite and I was interested in the title of the book because the perfect life uh, sums it up so well and yet when I was reading it I kept referring to it as the perfect lie mm. which for me worked just yeah. as well I don't I don't know why I why I kept doing that but it it's it's a good title the perfect life and and it reflects as you said how you look at people and yeah and yeah. one thing was that always the title or was that um no that my my working title was actually take my life <laughs> because it was the fact that um it that stemmed from two things the, the suggestion that uh Vanessa may have killed somebody and also this sense of um your agency really as 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 a as a person um and going back to the children's authors so Christopher Robin as a case in point Christopher Robin's father A.A. A. Mill literally immortalized him in in print 
but used his real name. And when you read his mm. biography, you say, you know, that people used to come up to him in the streets and touch him and, 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 you know, he'd become this, this fictional character and his identity had been taken from him. And I, I thought, you know, it makes you question also what we do as authors, you know, that we are inspired by so many things, particularly people. And you, th- you have such a responsibility to, to those people who, who have perhaps prompted an idea for a story. If you put them into, into that story, you have to be very, very careful sure, and certainly not using their, their real names. So it's that sense of, you know, take my life had two, two different meanings. Yeah. But that, that kind of, again, there was, a, a, I felt it might've been too dark because we, we you know, take my life might've been interpreted in lots of different ways. So yeah. the perfect life kind of has, there's a, a, a gloss, but also a chilly undertone to it. So I thought it, it that, that kind of um, came together quite well <laughs> in the end. Yes. The, the book in places, um, understandably so, is quite brutal to mm. read. Yeah. Um, was it hard to write, especially with all that you were going through? Yes, yes. Uh, there were there were scenes that were hard to write without giving away too many spoilers. But um, yes, I, I do draw a lot from so, some of my own experiences. And I think you know, it's it's natural that we do that because we can bring a certain authenticity to those experiences. But mm. I also wanted to highlight that as well. There are certain um, scenes, particularly um, legal scenes and court scenes, that I did want to to highlight. You know, the difficulty of um, being believed in certain circumstances. Mm. I'm being very vague here because I don't want to give too much away. No, yes, <laughs> but yes, uh, and also that sense of support. You know, if you, if you do want to to report something. Um, will you be believed? Will you be supported? Will you have to relive everything in a very public sphere? Um, and again, we have a responsibility as writers to to write about that sensitively because all readers will be coming at this story from all sorts of angles. A lot of people have experienced it. A lot of people will find that quite hard to 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 uh, to read. So it's finding the balance between putting it across very clearly and also. Uh, having a you know your sensitive head on too and, and yeah. being able to present it without being too upsetting but uh, yeah, yeah I, I do find certain so you have to step away from those after you've written the scene like that you've got to just step away from time and clear your head yes I'd have had to have eaten a lot of ice cream after yes. those scenes if yes. I, <laughs> <laughs> I think that was probably probably yeah what happened <laughs> um let's talk about plot a bit more because you mentioned writing the book is a bit like sculpting when you have that initial idea and the pictures uh, do you formally do a plot are you a plotter or a pantser how does that work I used to be much more of uh, just seeing how things go and let let the story unfold. And I do still do that to a certain extent. I think with now working to deadlines and contracts and having a certain, you know, short space of time with which to do it and being able to show, I mean, my editor is is, is lovely and, and we get on very, very well and we've got a very good rapport, but it's being able to, to show her, you know, not every single detail of everything that's going to happen, but an outline so she knows which direction this is heading and there's not going to be too many, you know, offshoots of you know surprises or what have you so I for for my own um kind of help you know it helps me enormously to have some sort of loose guide 
so I know what's going on. It does change, absolutely changes throughout the, the course of writing it. And I find the characters, sometimes the characters that you thought were going to be side characters take mm. on a life of their own. Others that you thought might have been more prominent uh, retreat. Um, but just having that outline to begin with, I, I, it makes me um, more comfortable, really. I know, I know the, the bare bones of it and I know that it'll change within that, but it's the framework uh, to start with. But yeah, for the initial idea, I would say that 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 kind of germ of an idea that changes enormously over the course of the novel. But um, but yeah, in terms of the planning, I I think I've become more of a planner <laughs> as time yeah, goes on. Uh, it's interesting. And I was going to ask, because this is your fourth book, um, apart from the, the, the plotting and planning, do you feel your writing style has changed through those books? A little, yes. I think it depends upon the, the story as well and what the, the, the what the story demands. I mean, my first book, My Sister's Bones, was um, that told the story of a female war reporter who was suffering from PTSD. Um, and that was very dear to my heart. My, my, my father was a journalist and he'd experienced, he'd, he'd reported on uh, post-Civil War Beirut just before the hostages were taken. That's when I was a little girl. Oh uh, we had friends of the family who, who were war reporters um, and I'd met um, when I was in my early 20s, I was working at the Chelsea Arts Club and I'd met um, Marie Colvin, who was the famous um, mm. Sunday Times correspondent who was killed in, in Syria in 2012. And she gave a speech saying, um, bravery is not being afraid to be afraid. And it just sparked something in me as a young girl. I just thought that because I, I at that time was feeling quite mm. afraid myself, not in a war situation, but just of life and what was going to happen and what choices I was going to make and that prompted the character of Kate Laughter and My Sister's Bones and it that came about a long time after that but the, the style in My Sister's Bones because it got this journalistic um, protagonist it was very much that kind of style came through um, something like My Sister's Bones um, sorry not My Sister's but The Perfect Life has much more of a Again, looking at because you've got this story within a story, so you're kind of writing a children's mm. story within there, which is a Edwardian style. So you, it, it doesn't change fundamentally, but I think it depends upon you know the, the, the subject matter that you're dealing with can sometimes alter the style and the writing style. But it's definitely I, I you know you develop as a writer as, as, and mm. you learn so much as, as you with each book. Yes, I'm sure. Um, now let's talk audiobooks because obviously they've been made for each of your books and you've got um, narrators. I was listening to a sample of The the Perfect Life and I thought the narrator, um, Charlotte Worthing, sounded really good, really adding extra elements to the character as, as well. Are you involved in the choosing of uh, those narrators? Yes, yes, that's a really fun part, actually. Um, they like, We get sent samples of, uh, of different voices and actresses. Um, and yes, I loved Charlotte. As soon as I heard her, I thought that's that's a really fantastic, uh, it, it suits the character. It's a really strange mm. part as well when you hear your words being spoken by somebody else. And, and, and actually, it, it sounds like the um, the protagonist. It, it's really quite a, a strange sensation. Yes. But yeah, I loved her. She was great. And uh, we've got Tara Fitzgerald for Day of the Accident, which was amazing because I've always loved Tara mm -hmm. Fitzgerald. And she has this very um, 
otherworldly kind of delivery for that, which really um, suited that story, because that was, again, about um, we don't know what's happened here, that the child has died. We don't know whether the mother was involved. And hers was her delivery of that was was amazing. But yeah, that's it's a really interesting part of the process, the, the audio book. Yes, I'm sure, because for me, some narrators literally just read the book mm. and yet others just add so many other layers to it as as you said and uh, it it must be strange when you hear those snippets of who might narrate your book and and some you think oh no that's not and others you're just like yes that they've they've got it yeah definitely Charlotte was one if if you didn't write these sort of books is there another genre you you would like to write well there's I can't say too much about it at the moment but my next book is going into a different direction so Ooh. uh so that's going to be I, I will be you know able to say more in shortly but uh yes okay. I've, I've I, I love literary fiction I love historical fiction um and, and also children's books too that's something that I've that's not the next project but that's something I'd definitely like to look at at some point I think as writers the genre is sometimes um placed upon us or we don't necessarily choose that genre or we it might suit one particular story mm. but you you want to write the things that you want to write and, and and not necessarily everything is going to be a thriller or crime or historical or romance. It just, um, but yes, we have to, uh, you know, sometimes be put in, into that. I do love writing thrillers though. And I think um, this particular style of thriller, which is more psychological domestic thriller has, has really suited the stories that that have come to me. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, we go but we go on to the quick book reviews facebook group and right. they've got some questions for you i just select 3 so david uh, has asked who inspired you when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at bluenile.com you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online choose your diamond and setting when you find the one you'll get it delivered right to your door Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Oh, well, first of all, my dad, he was my very first inspiration. Um, Like I said, he was a journalist, but very much um, a a wordsmith. We had a... big, huge collection of books and stories and introduced me to the written word from an early age. You know, it was very, very natural part of of, of my upbringing. And he said to me once, he said, um, words have value. Uh, Always remember to do them justice. And and I think that's something that we have such a responsibility of uh, for in in terms of um, writing. And it's it's stayed with me. And I think for him as a journalist, it was very much a part of, of what motivated him. So dad was the first person to introduce me to literature. But then um, so many um, writers, I mean, Virginia Woolf enormously, um, Pat Barker, who wrote the Regeneration series about the the First World War and the the psychological impact of of the war on the uh, young soldiers. She just um, reading, I read that when I was 17, and I think that definitely had some... Uh, inspiration behind My Sister's Bones, which was all about the war reporter and, and, and the impact of war. Um, and William Boyd, I love William Boyd's work. I think uh, Any Human Heart, again, I, I, I um, read that just before I started because I did an MA in creative writing uh, years ago and that oh. that's kind of produced the, the, the bare bones of the first novel. And I read that just as I was starting my MA and it, it was just a, a huge inspiration. I love that book. So so too many writers to, to, to mention who have inspired yes. me, but I think going back Some to good ones, yeah, yeah, the initial one was definitely my dad. Definitely. And and that and that's wonderful. Sarah says, uh, did you always know you'd be an author? Um I think so story I, I was writing stories from from an early age and and I found that was my way of making sense of things I, I'd come my mother tells me I'd come home from school and instead of telling her what had happened I'd just write little and I'd write stories but with, with little drawings as well you know it was always always oh, you know making sense of what's happened um and like I said dad dad was very much a, you know he was a writer and and um we encouraged the storytelling mm. but when I was in my teens I actually the the, the stories became songs and I, I was a I was a singer songwriter in my early 20s um I wrote mm. lots and lots of songs uh lived in Soho for a time performed with a jazz band you know so it was going in a completely different direction but it was when I was living in Soho when I started jo- writing again jotting down little little vignettes and pen portraits of people I was meeting and that shaped um what would go on to be my my first novel so I think yes it was always there you know the writing and, and storytelling was, was always there in my childhood but um yeah there, there were other things I wanted to I wanted to make perfume when I was five I think that would have been my ideal <laughs> job I used to make you know collecting flowers and putting them in yes, jam jars rose, and, rose perfume yes. yeah so, yeah so that was my ideal job when I was very little but uh, yeah the, the storytelling was, was always there too <laughs> 
<laughs> they always smelt so nice on the first day and then I'd forget about them and a month later yes. there'd be this yeah what is this floating. thing over here yeah horrendous <laughs> <laughs> um uh, another question from David. Now, David, I think, asked this question with um, with meaning. Uh, he said, how difficult was it at the start to get people to buy your books? David is an author as well, so I think yeah. he's asking. It is, it, it is hard. Um, with with I, I, My publisher, Penguin, has a very good marketing team um, and they, they are excellent you know, in terms of getting things you don't imagine before you get published, you know, the retail slots, um, mm. organising uh, the, the publicity at, when the book first comes out, getting out and about, going to uh, to meet booksellers. But So that's from the publisher's side. But for, for, from the author's side, I think it's just being... Uh, being visible, uh, attending festivals, um, mm. talking to, to particularly booksellers. There's a lot of independent bookshops that I've um, got to know over the years, and and, and um, have had several launches there for my books. And, and I think it's really important to go and and to talk to the people who are going to be selling your books and to, to talk to them about the story and have you. I think this past year has been um, difficult in terms of, you know, we've all been restricted in what we can do. Um, but yet a lot of online uh, festivals and events have sprung up and have been fantastic. Um, and so a, a lot of readers who may not have ordinarily been able to attend certain things have been able to. So your books mm. have been able to, to get to a wider audience than than would normally so yes it, it's hard I think it's half and half of having you do need some sort of support behind you whether that's your uh publisher or, or you've got you know booksellers that you've got connections with uh and I think a lot of it is is just doing it getting out and about really and and and, and talking about your book to as many people as possible and yes yeah, so it's then, hard work but it's... it is Part of it. Yeah, yes. Very yeah, good. Yeah. Well, thank you. Well, normally at this point, I would ask more about your next book, but I don't want to because it sounds like there's some 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 big news coming soon, which we'll look forward to. I, my final question then is about where you write. Do you have a set place that you feel most comfortable writing or can you just write wherever you are? I have a, a study, uh, which which is my little haven, and uh, and it looks out onto the front garden, and uh, it's nice, and it's very peaceful, and I know that for me, that's my workspace. So when I, particularly when you work from home, I think you have to have this boundary around your workspace, and and um, I know that when I get there with my coffee on a morning that's I'm, I'm set I'm ready to work and the same when I'm leaving the desk at, at, at the end of the day because I think the temptation with working from home is that you can do it at any point at any time at the day. and I think you need to be quite strict for your own good really because I you, you end up thinking that there's no set work um yeah. hours um I'm not somebody who can work on trains or in cafes. <laughs> I'd love to be, but I get distracted, <laughs> really distracted. And it just, I can jot down ideas and, and often do. I have my notebook with me. Um, but in terms of actually working, it has to be um, at my desk. <laughs> I, I would love to be somebody who can you know, work elsewhere, but it just never happened. <laughs> 
Well, we want you to keep writing these books. So you stay at that desk and uh, <laughs> keep working hard. Nula El- Elwood, author of The Perfect Life, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Philippa. That was a pleasure. Well, very good. So interesting. Always learn something new from authors. And uh, yeah, great. Thanks, Nula, for, for your time. Um, Now we're going to go on to a book that is quite different from The Perfect Life. But wow, 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 this is a book. So No Honour by Away Calm is uh, a gripping book. I'm really pleased. It's published by Arenda Books and I'm really pleased. It felt like something a bit different to quite a few of the books that, that they publish. And I'm so glad they did publish it because otherwise I might not have got to read this story. And it's one that's going to stay with me. Okay, let's... uh, let, let's give you the, the blurb. In 16-year-old Abida's small Pakistani village, there are age-old rules to live by and her family's honour to protect. And yet her spirit is defiant and she yearns to make a home with the man she loves. When the unthinkable happens, Abida faces the same fate as other young girls who have chosen unacceptable alliances, certain public death. Fired by a fierce determination to resist everything she knows to be wrong about the society into which she is born and aided by her devoted father, Jamil, who puts his own life on the line to help her, she escapes to Lahore and then disappears. Jamil goes to Lahore in search of Abida, a city where the prejudice that dominate their village take on a new and horrifying form. And father and daughter are caught in a world from which they may never escape. Uh, right, let's let's do first sentence. Are you sitting comfortably? Well, you, you shouldn't sit comfortably with this book because it's heartbreaking and yet it's something we all have to read. Anyway, OK, first sentence. It was when they snatched the baby from her that she realised how serious the situation had become. Um, so, as I say, it, it's a book that I feel people really need to read. It teaches you a lot about about what's going on when you think surely, surely time has moved on. Surely we're in a different world. In some ways, there was a bit of the the Handmaid's Tale about it. Just this, it feels like it's a dystopian world that they're in. And yet, actually, it's it's reality. Um, and I thought the characters were, were very commendable. It really gripped me. Um, I was really yearning to find out what happened and and I was gripped. I sat there and just read it, every word, just soaked it up. Uh, I mean, this guy can write. My goodness, this is a this is a good author. This is one to watch. So bravo. Excellent, excellent book. Um, and if you like the sound of it, do get it, because I think uh, I think it would be very meaningful to you. So there you go. No honour. Away card. Very good. Uh, next one, Hell and High Water by Christ, Christian Ung. Now, um, I should spell his surname because I'm probably not uh, pronouncing it correctly. U-N-G-E. Uh, now, I like the sound of this one because Christian is actually working uh, as a senior physician and writing this book. He works in Stockholm at the at a university hospital there. So what this book delivered to me that is different is that it's... Yes, it's sort of a, it's a thriller, but it's a, there's it's based in a hospital as well. Not all the scenes, and I liked this sort of the mix of the the doctor and the hospital scenes and the work that was done in the hospital, and then all these thriller elements as well. I thought it was just a great sort of 
collaboration there. A collab, as as the youth say, not me anyway. Um, let's let's read you the blurb. With 85% burns to his body and 115% risk of dying, it's a miracle the patient is still alive. He only made it this far thanks to Teckleberg, an emergency physician whose unorthodox methods and photographic memory are often the difference between life and death. Convinced that the fire was a terrorist attack and that the patient was involved, the police are determined to question him, almost as determined as those who would silence him at any cost. And while Tekla battles to keep him breathing, she can't shake the thought that something about him is strangely familiar. Tekla has always hidden her remarkable mind from her hospital colleagues, resorting to amphetamines to take the edge off the endless whirl of lucid memories. But now she'll need to call on all her wits as she's drawn into a mystery involving corrupt police, the godfather of the Uzbek mafia, and her beloved but wayward brother. Uh, let's do a first sentence, shall we? Now, I have to say, the one thing that did put me off when I opened the book, first of all, and I'm trying to get to the first page of this, there's a list of characters, an extensive list of characters. And things like that always panic me because I feel like I need to memorise every character um, before I can read the book. And that wasn't the case at all. Uh, yes, maybe it's helpful to have the names there for some, um, but... You didn't need it. The book is so well written. It just takes you on the journey and each character is memorable in its, in its own way. Anyway, let's. I, I'm choosing to uh, do the first sentence from the first sort of main chapter, which is set in the accident and emergency room. Unstable knife injury in room one, Emil said through the partly open door. 23-year-old male, five minutes. Actually, that's three sentences, but it just I love the setting in the hospital. I thought it added something different. Uh, I could very easily see it as um, as a film. In fact, with all the books we're, we're covering today, I could see it. So, yes, e excellent. Now, the next one. Yes, another really good one. This is called The Dark by Emma Horton. Um, and this is great because it's a thriller, but set in Antarctica. So, yes, we've had some sort of locked rooms, snow based books. But this, um, well, yes, OK, there's snow and it's a locked room ish. Uh, it was different and it added a pace and, and just this feeling of just being in such a small confined area in, in the middle of nowhere and not being able to communicate like you uh, as you would want not being able to get the help that you want I thought very very good um so let's read the blurb for you in the most inhospitable environment cut off from the rest of the world there's a killer on the loose any Dr. Kate North has been knocked out of her orbit by a personal tragedy. So when she's offered the opportunity to be an emergency replacement at the UN research station in Antarctica, she jumps at the chance. The previous doctor, Jean-Luc, died in a tragic accident while out on the ice. The move seems an ideal solution for Kate. No one knows about her past. No one is checking up on her. But as total darkness descends for the winter, she begins to suspect that Jean-Luc's death wasn't accidental at all. And the more dangerous she asks, the more dangerous it becomes. Uh, let's do the first sentence on this one. Well, actually, I'm going to do the first paragraph because the first sentence is one word, white. <laughs> so let me read you this. White, endless, featureless, mind-numbing white. A white so bright it hurts your eyes, at once beautiful and dreadful. Um, 
I I did enjoy that. I thought, um, yes, it, there's not a big wow as to sort of who done it for me, but that that wasn't the thing. I enjoyed the book. I enjoyed the the pace. I kept turning the pages. I wanted to know what happens. You think things are bad, and then they get worse, and then they get worse, and you could picture it. It was described so well. So there we go. The Dark, Emma Horton, another another interesting book there. And then we come on to a book which is a bit of light relief. We all we all need to laugh sometimes, don't we? Uh, and this this gave me uh, a, a good laugh. Holly uh, McCulloch, The Mix Up. Um, let's read the let's read the, the blurb. Paige might bake wedding cakes for a living, but that doesn't mean she's dreaming about her own perfect day. Far from it. Trusting people is hard after she was badly let down by her family and boyfriend just when she needed them most. And to make things worse, her ex has just walked into her bakery with his new fiancé. Needing a little no-strings-attached fun, Paige goes to a party where her friend knows just the guy, the guy in the black top. There's just one problem. There are two men wearing black tops. Noah was meant to be her perfect distraction. Instead, he wants more than just a bit of fun. But could the wrong guy turn out to be the right choice. I just thought it was um, a nice, a nice sorbet in between the hard-hitting other books that we've been reading. Um, I thought it was a bit of fun, good escape, and again, very well written, good, good storyline in there. Um, talented author does the job. There, there we go. Oh, now I've just banged the microphone. What am I like today? Oh, I'm sorry. You're very good bearing with me. You really are. I can't thank you enough. Anyway. We're going to get on to the last book, and I'm afraid it's it's not for me. It's really not for me. But it seems it's for about 20 billion people because most people love it. So it's just another one that, that didn't work for me. A gentleman in Moscow. Again, I'm not going to tag the author in this. I don't that that's not necessary. And maybe there's a reason why I didn't like it. But let's do the blurb first. So on 21st of June 1922, Count Alexander Rostov, recipient of the Order of St. Andrew, member of the Jockey Club, master of the hunt, is escorted out of the Kremlin across Red Square and through the elegant revolving doors of the Hotel Metropole. Deemed an unrepentant aristocrat by a Bolshevik tribunal, the Count has been sentenced to house arrest indefinitely. But instead of his usual suite, he must now live in an attic room while Russia undergoes decades of tumultuous upheaval. Can a life without luxury be the richest of all? Now, there were some parts to this book that I enjoyed. It was selected as a book club choice for me. And I do tend to find if I'm not going to enjoy a book, it's what I've read in book club. And I think for me, it's because, I mean, crikey, this week, how many books are we doing? We're doing six books. There's a lot to read in a week. And this is a book that some people in the book club took a month, two months to read because we meet every two months. Um, and they loved it. And so I think it is one to dwell on and dwell in and just sort of slowly soak up the story and not not that I speed read. But well, I do read. For, you can't read this one fast. And for me, I love some of the stories, but it felt like a series of short stories and I didn't get the flow between each one. The ending, I wasn't. It, it wasn't the ending I'd have chosen. Um, and it was just, it just wasn't for me. But everybody else at book club loved it. I was the only one that didn't. Um, 
And so it's, again, it's probably me. And I, I do think I prejudge a book. Do you, do you know what I mean? If you have to read a book at a certain time, you're like, well, no, I don't want to read that one. I want to read this one. Or I feel like something funny or I feel like something modern or I feel like a thriller. Or um, I have to be in the right mood and the right space and place to read a book like this and to have a prolonged period of time to read it in and I didn't have that so shame on me shame on me but yeah it didn't didn't work for me what about you have you read this book I mean I tried it on audiobook as well I was that desperate to finish it I thought I have to finish this book anyway there we go a gentleman in Moscow um Emma Towles there we are so We've had quite a few books today. Uh, we've had The Perfect Life by Nula Elwood, No Honour by Away Khan, Helen Highwater by Christian Ung, The Dart by Emma Horton, The Mix Up by Holly McCulloch and A Gentleman in Moscow by Emma Towles. Now, that's a lot. But guess what? Next week we have got, oh my goodness, some great books. I'm reading one at the moment and... Well, I just want to sit there and read it. So I can't wait to tell you about that one um, and all the others. So look, look after yourselves and um, don't forget the giveaway. Join the Facebook group if you want uh, to be uh, with a chance of getting a copy of The Perfect Life by Nula Elwood. Um, and, uh, and look after yourselves and I'll see you very soon. Take care now. Bye. You've been listening to the Quick Book Reviews podcast. That's enough books, said no one ever. See you again soon. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. 